you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. Welcome back to our kind of pod. Stan and I took a bye week ourselves, uh, but we're ready to go this week with a special senior day edition of the podcast. Uh, we'll talk a little Stanford, but then go line by line on all the guys who are playing their last games at Husky Stadium on Saturday. Uh, that plus I gave my man Jordan Coots a call to talk about his beeves, who might just be the worst defense in the nation heading into Saturday afternoon. Uh, quick plug, got something special cooking for the Apple Cup next week. I got the chance to interview some Husky legends to talk about one of the more memorable Apple Cups of all time. I cannot wait for you all to hear that one. Enjoy! Welcome to our kind of pod, or I should say welcome back to our kind of pod. We took a a hiatus, even though we did see each other, uh, and there is a, a lost podcast out there. It's not all lost. It'll, it'll, it could happen. Uh, that you and I recorded in a truck outside of McDonald's last week. That was or yeah. two weeks ago. That was that was a that was a good time. It was. I mentioned it at the time, but it was one of the greatest and worst moments of my life, uh, for for obvious reasons. You know, one recording a podcast with a buddy in in person. That's the first time I've ever done that. Uh, recording a podcast in a McDonald's pod or parking lot. I don't know if that's something I really want to like tell other people, but, uh, here we are nonetheless. Yeah, that was, uh, that was awesome. And probably I'll go another decade or so without having McDonald's breakfast to be totally fine. <laughs> um, sure. but, uh, boy, that was good. It was good to see, uh, it was good to see, uh, you know, your tailgate show, uh, the Stanton crew does a wonderful job. You two, you guys have really beefed it up. Uh, with the oh, yeah. uh, the cable set up, and the, I, I was fed well. I drank well while I was there. Uh, despite the uh, you know forty degrees, sideways rain, horrible conditions, it was mm-hmm. it was uh, it was luxurious down there. You know that was the first game that was like I think that was the first game home game this season where it was actually raining. I could be wrong on that, mm-hmm. but during the tailgate at least. So uh, from that standpoint, I got to be got to be feeling pretty lucky about that. Yeah, that was only have one game left. That was my first uh, home game of this year and, and the only one I'll get to go to. Uh, but I just got to say, man, it, there is something special walking around the U District and seeing just people in purple holding handles of tequila and you know, <laughs> Tito's vodka being carried right by cops and it doesn't matter. I mean, that's there's there's just a unique quality about that and, and something I uh, I do miss, I got to be honest. Well, I mean, there's barely anything better than a college football Saturday. So, I mean, for let's contrast, be honest here. Yeah, for contrast, that was at the uh, the BC uh, shenanigans uh, before their game against Clemson on Saturday, and mm-hmm. it was nuts. Like, like the you know when you're a thirty thousand seat stadium and you get a game like that, uh, they lost their minds. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately saw two <laughs> two uh, young gentlemen being carried off at stretchers. Uh, who oh are just down for the count. This this happened within a 30-second span. Uh, it was about an hour before game time. So, uh, wow. yeah, uh, ruin the fun. 8 p.m. kick there, though, right? Yeah. So that's, that'll happen. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of consumption. But uh, either way, yes. not good. Uh, 
those uh, hope those gentlemen are all right. Uh, but uh, that has nothing to do with the game that we're going to talk about uh, today. We're going to preparing for the Oregon State game. Uh, luckily for you, you don't have to talk about Oregon State at all. Uh, Jordan Coots has us handled on that. Uh, but let's talk about that sure. uh, that last game Stan- or we had against Stanford. Uh, obviously, it was great to see you. It was great to see the dogs get uh, get a get a win. Just oh God, there just has not been a game this year that really satisfied me as a Husky fan. I just never felt like we played to our potential, and the Stanford game was another example of that. There is only one game where I've felt fully satisfied walking out of the stadium or turning off my TV, and that would be the BYU game. Um, with that said, we met up at halftime at the Stanford game, and it was 21 nothing, and I was feeling pretty good. I think we both were. And little did we know that we were embarking on a second half where we couldn't do anything at all. Uh, only able to score two field goals in that second half after scoring uh, three straight touchdowns on our first three possessions of the game. Um, yeah, it's just another another example of the offense just struggling mightily. And um, yeah, I we, we got lucky because by all means, we probably should have lost that game given how the second half went down. For sure. And, you know, we got 78% of the scoring done in that game in the first 18 minutes of the game. Uh, didn't score a touch or didn't score, you know, uh, outside of the, the 21st point in the, you know, 12 minutes to go in the second quarter. Uh, just two field goals after that for how well they were rolling. Uh, I, I was talking to my dad as we were walking back to the car following that game. And it reminded me, the start of that game reminded me very much of the 2016 Stanford game where we just blew the doors off of them. We were much more ready for that game. Uh, out to prove mm-hmm. a point. But I think the difference between the 2016 version of that team and the 2018 version of this team is just that mentality of, of you know, let's, let's, tr- let's keep the throat or keep the foot on the throat uh, in this case. And it just hasn't, hasn't worked like that. I mean, Colorado, uh, UCLA, obviously, you know, the, the, the losses, um, but it just, it, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's frustrating to, to see this, this much talent, not uh, really play a complete game. Yeah, and uh, I shouldn't admit this on air, but honestly, I'm not probably qualified enough to start talking X's and O's to an, to a like a deep extent. But I think on the surface, uh, I, I feel like we just got too conservative offensively once we've got the lead. Um, I feel like that's kind of been a underlying theme this season uh, with Bush Hamden as the offensive coordinator. Um, it's easy to point fingers at him, but at the same time, he's the one who is calling the plays. Uh, so I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's weird. It's, I, I honestly just kind of want to like put it in the rear view mirror and, and forget about it. But that second half was very, very frustrating. Yeah. And playing, uh, against an Oregon state team that, uh, allows eight yards per play should be a good, uh, good little tune up and a, a true yeah. test of, you know, if if uh, what can Bush Hamden do on the highway? You know, if if you put him on the freeway, sixty miles an hour, playing against a defense that's basically not there, uh, can you can you put up fifty like like a good team should be able to do? So we'll see. Uh, but uh, yeah, weird season for for the dogs that we have talked at length about. A uh, little bit different format today. We're going to honor the seniors of this year's team and the the, the players that are leaving, uh, of which there are many, of which there are many very talented ones. Uh, so talking about that. For our one big question this week, is this the best class in UW history? Talking about the 2015 uh, recruiting class that is now leaving, uh, includes guys like Jake Browning, Miles Gaskin, uh, you know, uh, 
Caleb McGarry is part of the 2014 class, but uh, this also includes Ben Burkirvin, Tevis Bartlett, Jordan Miller. Uh, lots of really good players who have been standouts their entire careers at UW. Uh, it's been it's been a topic of discussion at um, many outlets this week. Uh, what say you? Is this the best class in UW history? That's a tough question because it kind of comes down to how much you weight like winning a national title versus what this class has been able to accomplish. Um, year one, I believe we went to the Cactus Bowl and played lost Oklahoma State. I may be mistaken, not mistaken on that, but that I was think the, we did. Yeah, that was the 2014 class. So that was okay. Uh, yeah, so the the this year's this year's seniors their first year was the uh, the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl. Ah, the Heart of Dallas Bowl. That's yeah. right. Yeah, how could I forget such a prominent and prestigious bowl game um but no not to diminish that at all uh year two obviously college football playoff peach bowl um by all means if it was a normal setup uh normal being similar to the past uh, bowl setups probably well we would have gone to the rose bowl and um pretty good chance you would have won that because we were the better better than uh, i think it was penn state usc that year i could be wrong yep but um but I think we would have won that game. And then, uh, obviously, last year, Fiesta Bowl, which is another big-time bowl game. First time, I think the first time ever going to that as a school. And then this year, to be determined, uh, they are the second winningest, winningest class ever with 36 wins. The record is 39, set by the 79-82 to class and 89-92 to class. Um, obviously the 89 to 92 class has a national title in there. So I think they might take the cake in this argument. But, uh, with that said, there's still, uh, at least three games left, if not four. So mm -hmm. th this class does have a decent shot at tying, if not eclipsing or passing, uh, that 39 win mark. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that that is kind of the, the long and short of this question is, Probably no, right? Is this the best class in history? No, right? They didn't yeah, win a, I'd say no. They didn't win a national championship. They didn't even, you know, all those bowl games, the two bowl games that we're talking about, the big high-profile ones, they went 0-2 in those. Um, this is not to diminish this class. It's an incredibly important one and one that produced the, you know, the all-time leading passer, all-time leading rusher. Uh, however, I think it, there's a chance that that argument could be made that, you know, if if in 10 years, right, that this program is where, where we think it could be. Uh, it, it's because of this year's class and what they were able to do and, sure. and elevate that national profile. And that's something that Browning has talked about at length is that his goal is that, you know, he kind of was a part of this thing that took this Washington program that was, you know, uh, happy to get eight, nine wins to, all right, now we're, uh, now we're at the next level. We're at the nine, 10, 11 win range. And that's where the acceptable level is. Uh, so it's 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 not the best, but I still think it's it's monumental. And hey, if you win a Rose Bowl, uh, let's talk. And especially if it has you know long term ramifications like we just mentioned. Yeah, and I mean this is similar to what you just said, but it's the beginning of like a tidal wave. Hopefully, in some cases, I I kind of think about uh, not switching gears a bit, but the I think it was oh three the two thousand three um, Utah basketball team with Nate Rob and company and. Uh, they they started something that carried for another seven years or so uh, on and off, you know, with the successes that Romar saw in the mid 2000s. So mm -hmm. um, these are you need classes like this to get get buzz started and uh, kind of 
jumpstart recruiting, so to speak. So yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the next decade, but, uh, everything needs to be trending in the right direction to the point where, like you said, 10 years from now, I think we'll be looking back on this class and be like, you know what? Those guys were the ones who really started this thing. I like that analogy to the O3 class. I was thinking about them today in terms of, uh, kind of, yeah, all of those things are connected, right? I mean, like there's Husky basketball isn't what it is today without the ability to to look back on those Brandon Roy years and, and the Nate Rob years. So uh, all of this mm-hmm. stuff matters. And what we're seeing is is a class that while, you know, it's, this is outright a, a disappointing season, I still think uh, that they have an important place in UW history and, and uh, only time will tell with that. Uh, so for the rest of this, we're going to go through those seniors, everyone that's leaving, uh, whether they are redshirt seniors uh, true seniors or uh, juniors who might not be with the program for much longer because they are just so damn good. Uh, we'll go through each one of those guys and just real quick, uh, what you know first the, the indelible memory of uh, of of that player. Um, there are some some fun conversations to be had about these. Uh, let's start with on your end, uh, Drew Sample. What, what what do we think when we when we think of the kid from Newport, uh, Big eighty eight? Now that he's leaving the program. Yeah, I mean, this guy's been immense, uh, especially in the run blocking and just blocking game in general. Um, that's something that we saw with um, totally blanking on his name, plays for the Seahawks. Yes, yeah. something that Will Disley uh, excelled at as well. But uh, Samples really picked up the slack this year. I mean, he was obviously a, a pretty. Uh, pretty uh normal player starter last year as well even with this in the fold but that's something that samples excel at a lot uh hasn't really done a whole lot over his career in the passing game receiving game 41 catches for 450 yards eight yards and four touchdowns but uh doing the little things that you don't necessarily notice that make a big difference yeah i always thought that sample uh, should have been involved a little bit more on offense i i kind of I don't know. He was indicative to me of the of the package that we all had talked that you and I had talked about a lot uh, of just kind of that up tempo package. It seemed like when when they went up tempo, Sample got out in space uh, and was was a was a big part of the offense. And uh, so that's kind of unfortunate that we didn't get to see him really uh, really put it all together. But you're right; he does the little things. Um, you know, has has been an integral part of what they want to do with their tight ends. It's not all about getting them the ball. It's it's much more than that. Uh, so yeah, Drew mm-hmm. Sample is is a, a very much an unsung hero uh, part of this class. I also remember when he caught uh, it was Browning's freshman year. It was a home game against Utah State, and Browning was scrambling around, and he was just a freshman then. Uh, and he threw it up, and and Sample was the guy that came down with it. Um, and that was that was a good glimpse of hope of of uh, kind of the future at that point. Uh, and Sample was definitely a part of that. Uh, let's go to the defense, and I don't know if they'll if he'll be announced uh, at this, but one that's important. Uh, is Austin Joyner, who is it was a senior uh, heading into this year. He is uh, he retired earlier this year from football due to his concussion history. Uh, you know, makes the decision to focus on his health, uh, which obviously I support. Uh, I wonder if if he'll get announced. But either way, what do you think of with Austin Joyner? Yeah, I mean, I I hope he does get announced because he deserves it. Um, this was a kid out of Marysville, Pilchuck, I believe, um, mm-hmm. who came in and he was gonna maybe play on the offensive side of the ball as well. Um, decided to stick with defense for whatever reason. And uh, he's definitely been a great depth player in the first couple years he was around. And then last year he started to get more involved. And this year he was seemingly going to be a starter or, uh, you know, one of the guys that was rotated in pretty frequently. So he was a definitely 
uh, a big loss to the secondary um, this season, but at the same time, totally understand his decision. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the the guy's an athlete. Mm-hmm. He can go out there and make a play. It was fun to watch him for sure. Yeah, Joiner uh, had had a pick in the uh, the Penn State game last year. Um, ironically, you know, talking about why he chose defense over offense, he chose defense because uh, he didn't want to be a running back uh, and take the damage that, that running backs do. So I oh, know, wow. kind of a, a cruel twist, twist of fate that his career ends in that direction anyways. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, wish Austin the best going forward. Big Fisher, Austin Joyner, uh, as as folks in Marysville tend to be uh, the, right. the outdoors E-type. Uh, <laughs> back to offense. Uh, Caleb McGarry is a redshirt senior, so not technically a part of that 2015 class, uh, but obviously one of the best uh, best cornerstone linemen in, in UW history. Yeah, just uh, you know, one of Fife Washington's finest right here. Uh, came in uh, redshirt, like you mentioned, and then his redshirt freshman season uh, featured in 12 games, starting six of them. And then after that point, he was basically, you know, he started every game. So 14 games in sophomore year, all 13 games his junior year. And I believe he started every game this year, unless I'm forgetting some injury where he sat out a game or two. Um, so, yeah, he's been a fixture on that offensive line, I believe, with Trey Adams uh, saying that he'll be back next season. I believe Caleb McGarry is the only starter from the offensive line that we lose, uh, albeit that's a big piece. But it's nice that you only have to deal with one loss. But uh, yeah, like I said, McGarry was a fixture in this offensive line and definitely is one of the reasons why uh, some guy named Miles Gaskin is sitting there on top of the all-time rushing list for UW. For sure, for sure. Yeah, uh, interesting story about McGarry. He was on the Tony Castricone story or podcast talking about uh, how his family was affected by uh, a massive fire and they lost their home uh, as a result. Oh, yeah. And his, uh, his, his girlfriend actually started a GoFundMe to help uh, help kind of ease the damage there. So uh, interesting story there, and, and I certainly wish him the best going forward and a guy that uh, will more than likely be playing on Sundays next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to defense, and this one's a, a little bit mercurial, uh, is JoJo McIntosh. And and JoJo uh, started 48 out of 49 games in, in his Husky career and will... Oh, my. Yeah, and so he... he uh, I think the targeting happened in the first half against Stanford. Um, so yep. if I'm He's not mistaken, yeah, he'll, he'll play, he'll start again, uh, against Oregon state for 49 out of 50, which, so he'll start probably more than 50 games in his Husky career, which is pretty incredible. Uh, obviously Jake Browning and Gaskin will do that as well. Um, but a consistent force, uh, you know, uh, just kind of one of those guys that I think I'm taking for granted in my head. I, I think about Jojo and I'm thinking, ah, oh, the targeting and, um, you know, not being the best ball skills type safety, but you could do a lot worse than Jojo McIntosh at the Pac-12 level. Yeah, and McIntosh isn't necessarily the guy in the secondary that that gets all the headlines, but he's been there, like you mentioned, 48 games out of 49. He's been there every time, so that's reliability that you that you have to uh, touch on there because that's pretty rare for someone in such a violent position like uh, the way he plays safety. Um, that's obviously the way we know him best is just some of the hits he'll make, come up to the line of scrimmage and uh, put put a defensive or an opponent in their place, so to speak. So yeah, uh, definitely somebody I would say I'm taking for granted because next year uh, safety gets a little more murky, even though we have a lot of talent back there. Yeah. And as we'll talk about a guy that uh, is probably departing as well alongside Jojo, 
um, very shortly. Yeah, the the Macintosh thing. I had this weird hypothetical of what if he played linebacker? Like I I just I thought about that and I'm like in a three four. I wonder if if that could have worked out. But yeah, uh, you know, just we'll we'll never get to know. But I I, I do think that that could have been on the table at some point. Um, Definitely. Back to the offense. Uh, real quick, let's talk about Matt James. Uh, he was the the first Peterson recruit or commitment uh, when, oh, when Chris okay. Peterson took the job, uh, aka the Bobby Jones. Um, Bobby Jones was oh, yeah. was uh, Lorenzo Romar's first commit. Um, obviously, Bobby had much more to do with with uh, UW basketball success than Matt James did with UW footballs, uh, but still an important piece. Yeah, I that's a name I haven't heard in a while. The smooth Bobby Jones out of Corona, California. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't really have much on Matt James, but uh, obviously a guy who's gone through the program for all four years, if not five. But, uh, you know, those de- those are depth guys that you definitely need and can uh, you can't look over, especially in the offensive line. There's usually more turnover than normal there. So, yeah. A guy named Matt James out of Idaho. That's uh, that's, a, that's about as generic as you sounds can possibly. About, sounds right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, <laughs> and, and we're treating him as such. Matt James, I'm sure you have an interesting personal Sorry, story. Matt. We just don't know it, yeah. uh, but we respect you regardless. <laughs> uh, to uh, to the defensive side, this one was fun doing a little research on all this. Sean Vergara as a as a walk on defensive back. Oh. Now a, he now got a scholarship. Uh, I was looking him up. Sean Vergara designs his own shoes. He like like does custom Nikes and Vans. Uh, He's a really cool Instagram page and has like, he did like uh, what if Converse's look like Yeezys and he like designed them himself. Um, And he does like some creative work for the UW football, like Instagram page. So yeah, he's uh, he's been an unsung hero on, on that end. Wow. That's, I'm impressed. You did quite a deep dive there. On yeah. Sean like, Vergara. Remember last year when they, when uh, it was like around Halloween and they did all that stuff with like Vita Vea looking like the Joker and all that. Yeah. 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 yeah that was him. He, he like did all that black light stuff oh. with that. Um, so yeah. Cool wow, guy. Okay. I, I hope he's uh, yeah, nice. stays, stays involved with the program uh, because yeah. he does, does cool stuff. It's <laughs> never played the uh, snap, but that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, he does cool stuff. Who cares? Did. Exactly. Uh, back to offense. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, Boomer Sosby, right? Uh, a, mm. a Husky legend, uh, if nothing else, just for having the greatest uh, GoHuskies.com picture that has ever ever happened with the uh, the goatee and the mullet in 2018. That's uh, that's that's true boldness right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at it right now, and it's pretty <laughs> incredible. Uh, yeah. He's got a nice, it's got a nice, uh, kind of nice part in the front. Uh, yep. it, he definitely knows what he's doing. This is not just, you know, waking up, getting out of bed and not, he's, he's prepping that every morning, I it, think. But, it, uh, it looks like the, uh, when I, in, in like the back room of the, the library at my fraternity, they had all these old like composites from like 1984 yep. and all that yep. looks straight <laughs> out of that. Uh, definitely i'm looking at it right now and i totally agree when, yeah. when you say that like jesse sosby <laughs> shows up to, to parties now and like you know everyone's got keystone lights with the like regular twist off or you know, pop off things yeah but he does like uh-huh. the old school like has the the tool to open his beer cans yep. and all like the madman thing uh yeah he's he's a throwback <laughs> soul for sure <laughs> oh man like the uh the yeah what is that it's not even aluminum it's some metal with <laughs> i i bought one of those in some college, arms actually metal. yeah Exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, I have no Boomer idea. Boomer Sosby, what a name! 
yeah uh we'll, we'll miss you boomer um that should be a legacy thing like some some random lineman should have to get 75 that, should have to recreate that oh yeah hairstyle yeah huh. who would be our next candidate next season maybe trey adams He's kind of uh, already got it going on. Yeah, Trey's got his own thing. I think. I think in the true Jackson Kirkland. There we go. Well, I don't know. I, I think you kind of have to not be good as part of this. And <laughs> ja- hey, 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 come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like you can't just be you know one of the guys. You you just kind of got to be a uh, a backup tackle with great hair. Something to separate. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Uh, all right, that was a lot of time on Jesse Sosby. <laughs> oh well. Uh, to Tevis Bartlett back on the defensive side, uh, another guy I think I'll take for granted, a guy who um, you know ended started as kind of an outside rusher, moved to the inside this year, has been a real steadying force, second on the team in tackles behind uh, Ben Burke-Curvin, who we will certainly talk about in just a second. Uh, my thing about Tevis Bartlett, uh, great great tackler, um, you know, key on the force fumbles, kind of reminds me of, of the way Donald Butler played and just kind of always being around the ball, yep. uh, bruising tackler. Uh, but the, my favorite thing about Tevis Bartlett that I've learned is that uh, my man is going to try and go to the NFL. If it doesn't work out, he wants to go be a teacher. And yeah. he is a, uh, yeah. yeah, he's a uh, uh, um, associate teacher right now at Nathan Hale High School. And uh, Jalen Johnson's little brother is in his class, which is pretty wild. Oh, no, no way. Yeah. That's, yeah, that is wild. Yeah, I, I remember I read that article. I think you probably are referring to that article a few weeks ago. or um, It said in the article that uh teaching was his first plan a yep. plan b is the nfl so uh a <laughs> lot of money you're giving up there tevis but hey follow your dreams i mean come on that's awesome i respect you 100 percent for that another random thing i've always liked about tevis bartlett i mean first of all he's from wyoming cheyenne wyoming so that's a little bit unique but uh his high school is just named east east <laughs> high school there's nothing more than that I've I've just always thought that was kind of funny. That sounds like a, a team that the Dillon Panthers would play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just a generic East. high school. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's actually Tevis Bartlett's story reminds me of mine because uh, my my plan B was also the NFL, but I went with my plan A with yeah. teaching right out of college. Um, just kind of worked <laughs> out that way. The Lions called, yeah. but I wasn't I wasn't into it. Um, all right, Fair. let's uh, let's stay on the defensive side and talk about uh, Jordan Miller, a guy who um, was. Sure. Pretty underrated. Jordan Miller is really good and uh, has only gotten really yeah. a chance to start this year. Um, last year he was starting before he he broke his ankle against against Arizona State. That was obviously a big bummer of a game for a lot of reasons. I remember Jordan Miller because he had two picks in the Colorado game that I was at last year in Boulder, um, and it's just really he, he had a, a pick against Utah this year as well. Um, just really good ball skills, and I think he. Uh, you know, he just learned a lot from from that previous class of great corners and um, has has held his own this year. Yeah, this is a guy who came in and played 13 games as a true freshman, and then he played all well all 13 games and played all 14 games in 2016, and then uh, started seven last year and has started every game this season. So, uh, definite definite staple in the defensive secondary. Um, so yeah, it's, he's he will be missed for sure. But luckily, that's one of the areas we are pretty stacked in. So uh, hopefully, there won't be that much of a drop off. I think Keith Taylor mm-hmm. will probably uh, take his spot. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a great four years for Jordan Miller, and he's kind of gone under the radar, so to speak. I think for sure. Yeah, he uh, he's been good. I, I wonder what his his NFL chops are because um, he kind of. 
I don't know. He just looks the part, and uh, we'll see. But uh, wish him the best going forward. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the offense. Uh, Ian Biddle, real quick. Uh, Ian Biddle oh, was, yeah. a, was a walk-on who made the team via tryout, uh, which is pretty wild. And, like, you know, that still happens. They We, we just saw an ad the other day that they're having tryouts this year in January, mm-hmm. uh, like mid-finals week, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of cool. Uh, good for Ian. His grandfather played in Biddle, Biddle uh, Cars and Bothell, I think is, is a real thing. The Bothell. Uh, I, I've never heard of that, but I'll believe you. <laughs> yeah, next time you're on the Bothell over highway, just look up and, and you'll see the Biddle name. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Fun fact about Ian Biddle really quickly Yeah, is I'm pretty sure his brother, Owen Biddle, uh-huh. Who had played a- for the Huskies. I am, I am completely guessing just based on the last name. But Owen Biddle was from the east side, and Ian Biddle is from the east side. So just going to go out on a limb here and guess. I could be completely wrong. That's not speculation, (laughs) folks. Uh, That's just deductive reasoning. Uh, I I appreciate (laughs) that. Uh, Yeah, Owen Biddle had a a pick in the 2002 Apple Cup. A little bit of a teaser. Uh, Yeah, yeah, something I will be talking about next week uh deshaun williams is also a senior graduating he was a, a juco transfer older brother of andre williams who left the program uh thank you mm. deshaun for not leaving the program that's all i can say about yep. you because you appreciate it anything uh that i have noticed um let's go back to defense here uh real quick we'll, we'll knock out a bunch of these linemen jalen johnson shane bowman and greg Gaines. All of them we'll talk about. I think all of them are, are great players. Shane Bowman has unfortunately been hurt a lot of this year. He plays ass off against Auburn, got a sack in that game. Uh, Jalen Johnson, I just remember uh, he, in that Alabama game, he was like, he could hang. He had a really good game in that game and, yeah. and had just moments of brilliance throughout his career. And then the other thing would be that graceful targeting against Oregon when he just knew that that was a shitty situation, but he didn't put a stink about it, uh, which I really appreciated. Uh, anything on those two guys before we kind of go a little bit deeper on gains? Uh, Jalen Johnson was initially committed to Boise State, and then when Peterson came over to UW, he we flipped him. So uh, we wouldn't really, if it wasn't for Peterson, we wouldn't be talking about Jalen Johnson right now. But uh, yeah, speaking of the Alabama game, he had a couple tackles for a loss in that one, which I think that in itself is kind of like like worth a partial victory in <laughs> yeah. some cases. So uh, yeah, something that he can hang his hat on going forward. Definitely a guy who uh, might get a shot in the NFL. It certainly uh, has the, uh, has the prototypical size and, and we'll see if it works out for him. Uh, Greg Gaines, my God, the pick against Stanford. I was so freaking happy uh, to, see, <laughs> to see that big Mau Mau, no gloves, just, just pure unadulterated joy on his face. The first interception of his life uh, in a mm-hmm. game like that, um, I don't know. I, I I love Greg Gaines. I look back on his uh, just Google images of Greg Gaines. No gloves ever, ever. Yep. Nothing on his arms yep. other than just meat and muscle. A big UW tattoo. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> one thing I saw about Greg Gaines about in his bio was that in high school he was MVP of the Freeway League, <laughs> which. You know, freeway. Free, it could could be just a colloquial term for how that league is constructed, that it's all along a freeway. Or Greg Gaines yep. could have been playing in a freeway, uh, and I would not be surprised because that dude is just a <laughs> stone-cold mf'er. 
<laughs> yeah, we're talking about uh, the second team. He was on the second team, uh, all Pac-12 team last season. Um, but even more important, a 2016 and 2017 second team all Pac-12 academic selections. So, uh, so Greg getting it done on the field and in the classroom. I remember when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, love love Greg. But I remember as a kid asking my parents if I could make if I had to play football to make the academic All-American team, if I was like, if there was a way to, to cut corners and go around that. And they were like, no, 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 you, you have to still play football, but uh, <laughs> different, different goals. But uh, it worked out uh, for Greg. I, I can't wait to see whatever NFL team uh, he ends up on. Cause he will, uh, he reminds me a lot of Kyle Williams for the, for the Buffalo bills. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, they are both just, you know, big white guys that are insane, but, uh, that's, that's part of this, uh, staying on the defense, Jake Wambach, uh, Matt Preston, pretty cool story about those two walk on guys who got scholarships in their fifth year. Uh, sure. that was, that was cool. Uh, that's about all we need to say about them. Let's talk about, mm, yeah, let's talk about Byron Murphy and Taylor Rapp. Uh, are you ready to say goodbye yep. to these guys? No, but I think we're going to have to. Um, by all means, they should be going to the NFL after the season. Both are, well, both of them here for three years. Murphy redshirting his first year, so he's a redshirt sophomore right now. Taylor Rapp is a true junior, so both eligible. Um, obviously, both in the secondary, so those would be two massive losses. If you can somehow keep one of those two, I think you have to just be ec- ecstatic about that. Mm-hmm. Um but don't bank on it at all. But you never know. I mean, Miles Gaskin came back for for his final year uh, this this season, so you never know at this point. But uh, yeah, two guys that have been absolute game changers for this program. Uh, Taylor Rapp, obviously coming in in that 2016 season, and um, kind of out of nowhere. I think he was a three-star recruit out of Seahome High School. Um, there was an article that I think Sports Illustrated did about did about his uh, high school career, how Seahome High School is just, they don't really Hot take garbage. football seriously. At all. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I went to Western. I used to go uh, past Seahome High School every day, and it kind of fit the bill. They didn't, <laughs> it's an old school that's kind of falling down. But, um, yeah, he he rose from the ashes, if you will, and became an instant impact star. For the Huskies, as a freshman, made the uh, I think he won what uh, freshman all Pac-12 freshman of the year. Yeah, I think it was on defense freshman all American. Yeah, he. Uh, I remember. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. He so. had the the pick six in the uh, Pac-12 championship against Colorado. Yep, Colorado. Just just how instantly mm-hmm. he was he was uh, you know fit talent wise in a defensive secondary with with Buda Baker, Kevin King, and Sidney Jones, and he looked. All, all as good as any of those guys and has only followed sure. that up and hit the rest of his career. Uh, we've talked about his sacks a lot. Byron Murphy, two picks against Rutgers last year in his first game. I think the, the most unfortunate part about Ruck, or Murphy is how many games he missed last year. So uh, if, yeah. if, if we do, uh, our, if we are saying goodbye to him in just a few short games, uh, it will be only, I think, like less than 20 games in his Husky career. Uh, but uh, certainly don't blame him. He is he is uber talented and uh, will make uh, an NFL team very happy in the near future. Byron, Byron Murphy is kind of like, wasn't his name Bob Sanders on the Colts, who was just like the best safety in the NFL but never played because he's always hurt, essentially? Yeah, yeah that was, that yeah, was, that that's was Bob. It, that's who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, hopefully yeah, he, can, uh, he can get right. Great while he's here. Exactly. Uh, let's 
stay on the defensive side of this to end the defense, and we'll go back to the uh, to the guys on offense. Uh, ben Burkhoven, uh, this is this is senior day for him coming up on Saturday. Uh, just has become mm. a, a cult figure in in UW football right now as, as just a star of this defense. I think the big thing with Ben Burkhoven is that uh, last year's team was supposed to be anchored by Azim Victor. Azim Victor was the star of the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, looking like a potential All-American middle linebacker. Azim gets suspended. Uh, ben Burkirvan fills in for him and never gives the job back. And I think it's it's a credit to everything that he is. He's just an incredibly hard worker, uh, has you know has certainly overcome some size disadvantages, um, but he, uh, he is in on every play. There's only been two games this year where he has finished with less than 10 tackles in a game. Uh, just, just an absolute maniac. Yeah, a, a couple points on Ben. First, uh, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but uh, it's from Menlo Park, California, which is just in the backyard of Stanford in Palo Alto. So uh, usually we see some of our local guys get picked by Stanford, but uh, this one is going the opposite direction, so that's something you can be excited about. And then point number two, you can't help to feel slightly cheated in some respects because once he cut the hair, his uh, – his production just just went off the charts. So it makes you wonder what would it have been like if he had cut the hair earlier than this season. Yeah, that's we will true. Never know. That's true. I think uh, we we deserved that time with his hair though. Those those were good days. That's true. Yeah, I do yeah, remember going was... to to the open scrimmage in 2015 and seeing Ben Burkirvan as a freshman. Uh, just flying around the field like a crazy person during <laughs> during drills, and uh, that uh, that was certainly indicative of of the career he was about to have at UW. Uh, let's end this bad boy with uh, with some bad boys, uh, Jake Browning mm-hmm. and Miles Gaskin. I think we can talk about them in tandem. Uh, yep. Two two incredibly important dudes. We I think Miles Gaskin. Thinking back, okay, what's what's the Miles Gaskin moment? And it's really hard to think of one, but I think that's the point because there were so many. He was so good, so consistent. Yep. Um, his running style, I think, is what I'll remember the most of just how patient he was, um, and how shifty he was, but then could also turn on the Jets when need be, uh, and just how how normal he made 140 yard games. You know, it just seemed like that was that was the standard, and uh, especially in conference play, he was he was just so consistent in that regard. Yep. Yep. Uh, patience is a word that I will repeat and emphasize after you said it, just because he is probably the most patient running back I've seen play for the Huskies uh, in recent memory, at least. Um, obviously could have gone to the NFL last season, decided to come back for his senior season instead, which um, who knows if that was the right call from so many different standpoints. But at the same time, you got to you got to give credit to him, and uh, I thank him for that because it's obviously been another great season for him. He's a school leader in rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, and yards from scrimmage, among probably many other categories, uh, averaging 5.7 yards per carry over his career, which is an exact tie with both Napoleon Kaufman and Corey Dillon, who are regarded as probably the two best running backs in Husky football history, mm-hmm. there are only, this is a trivia question for you. There are only two running backs who have a minimum of a hundred attempts, rushing attempts that have a better yards per carry number than, than, uh, miles Gaskin. Can you name them in Husky history? Yeah. They're in recent history too. They're within the last 10 years. I'll give, I'll give you that. Is it Sankey? No, it's not. You want me to tell you? 
Yeah. Savan Ahmed leads this uh, at six yards per carry. I think he has like 140 carries so far in his career. And Dwayne Washington is second oh. at 5.8. Yeah. D12. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. The, the the gasket stuff. I mean, he's, he's just so good. Like, he, oh, my God. He, he – when, when you know when the dust settles and we're looking back on this i think i think we might appreciate um just just how good we had it with with gaskin there uh and and mm. his his value became extremely apparent when he wasn't out which was just over the last couple of weeks um or when he wasn't playing I'm, I'm saying and so now that he's back you realize how how good we have it with him sure um uh, to jake browning what a weird legacy right like the, the Jake Browning's approval rating in Seattle is probably what 52%. Yeah. I personally, I love the guy and like, yeah. I, I think he's amazing and I am definitely on the upper echelon of that spectrum mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, it, it has been a weird year. It definitely has been a weird year. And you could see, see that just from the podcast we've, we've recorded this season with him pretty much leading like half the down and first downs of all those podcasts. Right. I mean, even this, this year's team's best win, what, you know, with the benefit of, of hindsight, was going to Utah mm-hmm. winning 21 to 7. In that game, he had some miserable moments uh, Correct. against a very good defense. Um, he had some, some tough moments against, uh, against Auburn. There was the Cal benching. Um, mm-hmm. all of this is just very, very strange. And, and it's just, it's, it's unfortunate that it wasn't as smooth sailing. And, you know, I've kind of talked about this before, but you know, if you re rejigger the, uh, the years that Jake Browning had, and he had his sophomore season this season, it would be the, mm-hmm. it would be an incredible career, right? But, exactly. Uh, the same production, uh, over those four years spread out the way it was, um, and is, is, uh, is certainly, certainly the funky part of this. But as it goes with with this recruiting class in general, I think that Browning is in the absolute driver's seat to cement his legacy in a different position than it is even today. Uh, if, if he if he finished this this thing four and with a Rose Bowl victory, sure. I, I, like if if you're still on Jake Browning for for whatever, I think you got to get off at that point. Um, yeah. But you know that that's no guarantee that that might ha- happen. You know, you lose to Wazoo, you don't even. Uh, gets get that other game, so I don't know. It's it's uh, it's kind of still uh, to be written with Jake Browning. Either way, an incredibly important player and uh, is the guy who got this thing uh, to where it is. Yeah, and I mean, you got to think about what he was able to accomplish. Granted, I mean, he was he had a lot of good players around him, but I mean, led this team to college football playoff, which obviously we've never done before. Included a Peach Bowl, which I don't think we've ever been to before. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, which I don't believe we've been to either um, until last year. He finishes as a school leader in completions, passing yards, um, uh, passing touchdowns, uh, QBR, which, by the way, that is not that is not something that has aided him because he's just played a lot of games. QBR is a per game basis. So mm-hmm. um, if you're looking at ratings wise, he is technically the highest rated quarterback ever to play for UW um, and second in passing accuracy. So as much as, as there's been said about his accuracy at points this season, we're still talking about a guy who was incredibly accurate over the course of his career um, compared to quarterbacks that have played before him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh it's, it's enigmatic for sure with Browning and, and, uh, yep. and like I said, that's, there's more that can be done, but, um, you know, 
just an incredibly productive uh, career, and and I I hope uh, that this this ends on a positive note for him because he he deserves he deserves that. Yeah, and one last thing about Browning is I think he has handled himself amazingly because there's a lot of noise out there, and he sure as hell can hear it. But I think he is just so even keel and just is not really paying attention to any of that stuff. And I think that is almost as impressive as what he's been able to accomplish on the field. So I, I honestly want to applaud the guy because I think he's done an amazing job in both facets. Yeah, it could have it could have gone so wrong. It's just a frustrated moment in a post game press conference. Uh, but uh, that never happened. You know, we saw the frustration when he got benched uh, against Cal, but that was. Uh, we didn't even really hear it. You know, that was about as, as much. If you as... didn't see that, yeah, like, you know, you want to see that out of your quarterback. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. Right. If he was if he was totally okay with it, it would have been weird. So, uh, yeah. It would have been worse. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right. So let's end this thing. Uh, great Cat and OKG of the week. Uh, what do you got for Great Cat? Great Cat, I'm going to hand it to Louisville, who uh, fired Bobby Petrino after uh, going 2-8 and eight so far this season. The worst part about this is... Uh, they are they owe him 14 million dollars in buyout money and this is all after the whole uh, basketball debacle debacle with um oh, I'm Rick totally Patino. blank <laughs> Rick Patino there we go Petrino Patino yeah. um yeah Louisville's in shambles right now so they get my great cat this week and obviously Mark Jones yeah they did uh they did hire Jeff Brom uh Purdue coach and uh, the guy who just laid it on Ohio State a couple weeks ago um uh, former former uh, Louisville quarterback. So uh, we'll see if they rebound. Oh, wow. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, news as of today, yeah. I believe. Uh, okay. My cool. great cat is, uh, is this idea of Mike Leach as this kind of like cuddly, adorable, uh, quirky yes. figure. Yes. I was like, oh man, Mike Leach has some funny shit. And like, you kind of get wrapped up in that. And he has these, yep. the, these recent weeks of these, these uh, videos of him saying, you know, reporters getting him off the rails talking about, what what college coach would win a fight and pirates and all this. And I've needed to remind myself that Mike Leach is the same guy who retweeted a doctored video of Barack Obama uh, giving a, a speech um, in a way to slant it. And then when confronted about it, uh, did not support any idea that, that the video was fake um, and arrogantly pursued with that same idea and then has been an absolute asshole to multiple reporters uh, within the last year. And I just want to dispel this whole cuddly Mike Leach thing. This guy, this guy is not a great dude. Um, he has some funny quirks, but let's uh, let's let's not let's not lose our minds about who this guy really is. Yeah, this is like an internal battle I have seemingly every week because I do see those videos about Leach, and it is funny. But then you get, then you got to kind of step back, and I think a lot of, I mean, understandably so, a lot of Cougar fans absolutely love the guy and they don't realize what the actual person he is and like honestly this this is going to sound bad but i don't hate the cougars that much i feel like i come from a, an almost unbiased standpoint in some case in some cases here and like that guy's a dirtbag like he locked a guy in a in a in an electrical closet when he was in texas tech like he's not a good dude so yeah, I totally agree. I wish people kind of realize these things more so than they do. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's just something to keep in mind. Like it can be both, right? You can you can you can have these funny quirks about you, and you can also be you know do some reprehensible things. And like, let's just not yeah. let's not forget the the one without the other. Uh, two OKG. Yeah. I have uh, a, a few, uh, but what do you got? 
Uh, yours is going to be more interesting than mine, uh, just because we've talked about it so much already. But I thought the OKG tag this week for me should just be the senior class to re-emphasize how much of an impact they have truly made on this program. I, uh, I predicted that, that you and I would have the same thing there. All these seniors uh, really have, have meant <laughs> a lot. Um, but then, so in that, all of that, I'm saying that the OKG amongst these OKGs uh, is Miles Gaskin for, uh, like yep. I said, you know, him being out the last couple of weeks and dark times in that Cal game. Uh, and to see him come back and, and, and immediately get 140 yards again um, and, and be huge to this win over Stanford uh, just goes to show how important he is. And, and I think uh, him choosing to come back and, and play this year, uh, given you know NFL draft prospects and everything we mentioned here, uh, is really important. Another OKG of the week, former dog Isaiah Renfro, who now goes by Isaiah Woods, uh, had a, oh, a, nice. an awesome story, um, a, a heart-wrenching story about his his battle yeah. with mental health and depression uh, throughout mm-hmm. his his days in Washington, ultimately retired from, from playing with the dogs, now plays for Portland State. Uh, really, really good story um, in the New York Times today about that, uh, which is... Something that you know is is a football story, but this is uh, this is a young adult story, and and just kind of you mental know, health. Yeah, exactly. You and I can probably name plenty of situations where you know we know people who have been affected by by that and who are currently battling it, mm-hmm. and and you know everyone goes through things like that. So I think uh, him him speaking out about that and and turning his his really really dark times into uh, into a positive light is um, is important. Yeah, oh, I'll have to uh, I'll have to read that. I didn't realize that was out. Yeah, block off uh, a good twenty minutes for it. It's it's uh, it's hefty. Okay, it's but, a big one. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, but well worth it. Uh, nice. Well worth it uh, for you all to listen to us. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, Stanton, for doing this. Uh, hopefully, we'll have uh, some happy uh, Oregon State scores. Talking about how we just put up sixty points against that uh, that track race <laughs> defense uh, and get ourselves ready for the Apple Cup. Yeah, should be a fun one. Thank you to Stanton and thank you to those seniors. Uh, the Huskies do play Oregon State this weekend. They are 32.5 point favorites in that game over the Beavs. Uh, the Beavs are still finding their way in the first year of the Jonathan Smith era. Helping me find uh, the way to talk about them is Jordan Coots, who is uh, the Beave on the ground down in California. Uh, Oregon State alum knows that team very well, uh, much better than I certainly do. So we talked about the state of Oregon State football. So from from my vantage point, here's here's just the facts, right? Of the, of the yeah. situation, in Corvallis, it's two yeah. and eight, uh, the lowest opponent point total against the Beavs this year. Uh, as we're talking about FBS teams, teams that matter, is thirty five. Uh, Oregon State is is third to last in the country in yards per play on defense. Basically, mm-hmm. every time you run a play against the Beavs, you get eight yards. Uh, some kid named Chandler just put four touchdowns up on you last week. Uh, there's been three games where a team has put up more than 50, uh, another 49, a 48. Uh, but other than that, how are things in Corvallis? Uh, well, I mean, like I kind of, well, like I mentioned earlier, the if you look at the offense, things are much improved from last year. But defensively, it just like what you want to see is progress. And especially just with the new coach and everything going on. And there just has been no progress made the whole year. Uh-huh. And I thought last year was like the worst defense I would ever see of Beaver football for the rest of my life. And this year, 
I don't want to say it's worse because I think there are aspects talent wise where we're better, but it's giving last year's team a run for its money. What's, Um, what's the big problem then is, is it just still a talent thing or, or is there, you know, like, how would you diagnose it? Uh, I think like it's just every system I don't think is working well. So I think from a coaching standpoint, like if you look at the tackling, the tackling should improve hopefully if you have the same bodies out there as the year goes on and tackling is just piss poor, like so bad. And that was something that I thought was going to improve this season and it really hasn't. Um, and then if you look at the talent like in this day and age, it just seems like if you have a good quarterback, if you have a good line on both sides of the ball, you can make some noise in whatever league you're in. I mean, you have to have talent besides that, but if you have solid lines, you're in a decent spot. And our defensive line is just terrible. Like there might be if you took if you took all four starting defensive linemen from our team, I don't know if one of them starts on any other Pac-12 team. Like they are wow. really really bad. Yeah. Um, two years ago, Ilu Aiden, our most productive defensive tackle, was a freshman All-American. And he came in 70 pounds overweight. He was pushing 400. Oh, my God. And, yeah. And so he basically sat for the first seven games of the year. And he's just now starting to come into shape. And I've seen him on the field. Um, last week was the most I had seen him on the field. But, like, we are just so, so thin. And um, we just have no bodies on the defensive line that can hold up. So I think that's a major issue. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the you can't out in the Pac-12. You can't be a, a Big Twelve type team uh, where you are just an offensive juggernaut. Like that yeah. doesn't that doesn't work. And I think in in no. in college and when you have an offensive head coach, when you you know you take Jonathan Smith coming from being the offensive coordinator at at UW, you know you'd expect a little bit of a of a defensive uh, you know problem, I guess, like a learning curve there. Uh, but you know, looking up, of you're almost a full yard per play worse than you were uh, at this point last year is not right. great. Is not great, and so I think that leads to the question with Smith. I mean, obviously the defense is is much maligned and and uh, shitty. Uh, what uh, what are your impressions of him just as a overall leader? Because I think with with Husky fans, uh, it was kind of a distant thing, and he was just kind of the symbol for how well the offense is playing. But there wasn't anything directly that you could tell that he was doing. Uh, to make the team what it was. So uh, now that it is his show, what do you think? Um, Overall, I think that people are content with him. Um, And I think they would be less content if we weren't in such a bad position to start the year. Like People realize, all right, this is going to take some time. I am a big Jonathan Smith fan. I don't think he can, like, he doesn't give you a lot from his personality, but he's so engaged, and you can tell, like, he is so driven to make sure that this team ends up where he wants them. Um, So that's something that I did not see at all from the last coaching uh, regime. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that right there is obviously a huge plus. Like, he's so invested. Um, And then the other thing is offense definitely still rules this day and age. And our offense being more productive and having some playmakers, some really young playmakers, uh, has definitely, um, I don't want to say like ease the transition, but it's made it easier for the public to get behind Coach Smith. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that kind of the, you know, 
uh, yard sell or like points point sell type type uh, thing is kind of probably playing into fruition here in that uh, Beaver games are not boring to watch. Like they, it is it is uh, like the Nevada game that I watched earlier this year um, was entertaining as hell because yes, Oregon State couldn't stop anyone, but they were able to move the ball downfield and keep themselves in that game. Um, right. And I think that that's that's something that will buy you a little bit more equity, I think, than than just miserable offensive play, uh, which you haven't seen to this point. Um, so so with that, and you know, just kind of the collection of everything, you've you've got kind of the drive there. You've got the passion. He cares a lot. Uh, there has been improvement on at least on one side of the ball. Uh, at this point, ten games into the the uh, Jonathan Smith era, can you just picture him being at least as good as Mike Riley was? Because I think. Uh, you know, if Beaver fans are being honest with themselves, uh, Mike Riley, you know, competing once every three or four years for, uh, you know, a, a Pac-10 championship or Pac-12 championship was about as good as it could get. Yeah, I think, like, if I'm being realistic and honest, I think that is kind of where Oregon State just kind of draws the line. Like, we can't uh, compete with the Washingtons and the USC's of the world where they can go after these high four and five star recruits. Um, so at some point talent wins out and you can get a team or two that, um, like, like the 2000, I think it was 2014 that Jonathan Smith was on, um, when he was a quarterback where you just kind of strike lightning in a bottle and you have playmakers and Chad Johnson and Hoosman Zada, um, all over the field. So you can get a team like that once in a while. But I think if we are, you know, if we're fighting for bowl eligibility within the next few years, I'd be happy. And if we're in the same area for Smith's tenure as we were with Riley, I think I think I'd be happy with that. Is he still clapping, or are uh, OSU quarterbacks still clapping? <laughs> they're clapping. Uh, Maybe not as much as you Dubs, but yeah, yeah, they're they're clapping for sure. Hey, if you're clapping and scoring, though, I mean that's that's one thing. We we were clapping <laughs> and not scoring, which uh, was a little more frustrating. Uh, right. Speaking of the quarterback, and, and that means everything, you know, whether it's it's Mannion or Matt Moore or um, or Jonathan Smith himself, you know, those are the guys that can really take you to that next level if you have the talent around them. Uh, the, the, it was definitely not the case last year. Uh, the Cougar, the Beavs did not have a quarterback. Uh, do you have one yet? Yeah. So, um, well, we have Luton this year, and I believe he'll be a senior next year. Um, and he's, he's looked pretty good when he's healthy. The biggest thing with him is just, he's been knocked up so much. Mm -hmm. Um, but next year we actually gain a, um, a transfer from Nebraska, who is a four-star guy, uh, who lost the job to a true freshman, um, from, or playing for Nebraska now, um, who from all accounts is a stud himself. Uh, so I'm excited to see him next year and see if he can win the job. It seems like people have already pegged him as the starting quarterback. Um, but the way Luton has looked lately, I think we're going to have a little bit of a battle. So, yeah. So it's not Connor Blunt? No. <laughs> I think he's out of the picture. People like what he does just because I think he rallies the team together and he can gain yards with his feet. Um, but as far as an actual Pac-12 quarterback, Luton just has more talent. Would it help if we added an extra N to Connor Blunt's name? An extra, <laughs> possibly. Connor Blunt doesn't really have a, a great ring to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's not his fault, but I'm just saying it, it could help out. 
Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's the quarterback situation is obviously important, but I think uh, it, at least one star has been found on this on this team, and it's the 18 year old Jamar Jefferson, who is fifth in the country in rushing. Uh, whoa! I, I watched him in the uh, in the Oregon or the Ohio State game, and in a game that was full of you know Ohio State running up and down the field, uh, there was this one guy on Oregon State who looked like he belonged on that field. And it was Jamar Jefferson in, a, in even earlier in his career than, than it is now. Uh, is this real or is this just a product of, of him playing in a lot of lopsided games? Uh, no, I think it's real. If you look at the early, the early offense that we have, the first quarter where you know teams are obviously – we're not down by that many at that point. Jamar is still running wild on these teams and they're like you said there are players who look like they belong on the field and there are guys who when when they get the ball running backs when they get the ball it just looks like they're able to just find gaps no matter what and there are games that i swear he gets five yards to ten yards every carry and then he'll break one loose he's i think he's going to be a really really good one well, I think that's, uh, you know, it's kind of funny how Oregon State has these cycles and the running backs and, you know, Ken Simonton to Steven Jackson to Evanson Bernard uh, to, to um, God, uh, Jaquiz, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, like there's there's this lineage and that stuff kind of matters in college football more than it does in other places. And right. so I think that's a key component, honestly, like that Mike Riley template uh, is not for nothing. It was successful in a very hard place to be successful. So them having Jamar Jefferson uh, and having that for at least another two years uh, is is yep. definitely a, a good square one. Uh, how does right. he compare to those guys, like stylistically? Like what what are we looking at uh, when we're when we're watching him on Saturday? Um, he yeah he I think he's a little different than all of those guys. He's not the power back that uh, Stephen Jackson was, but yet he's he's got a pretty stout frame so he's he's not like a quiz either um honestly he he uh kind of reminds me of gaskin um Mm. he's not i don't think he's the pass catching threat lately and he maybe doesn't have the quicks uh that gaskin does but um he strikes me as a guy who just kind of finds a way to get yardage um so i think they're similar and i want to say jamar is 510 maybe 210 Mm -hmm. so not an overly big guy um, it looks like he could add more weight, but um, yeah, he, he's a guy who just finds a way to get it done, can hit a hole hard, and for some reason he's able, when he finds the edge, he's able to make that turn and not uh, run out of bounds. He's able to get upfield. So there's there's Jefferson and then the other guy that, that uh, was particularly striking in the Nevada game just for his ability to, to make plays downfield, right. Isaiah Hodgins, uh, sophomore receiver, 6'4", definitely looks the part. Uh, is and given that a lot of these yards are you know over in the air in games that that are very lopsided, this one might be more of a product of of just kind of those those late game uh, garbage stats type thing. Uh, is Hodgins legit? Is that another another piece that you would consider a, an, an all all Pac-12 level player going forward? Uh, I don't know about all Pac-12. I think he's a really good option. Um, I, on this team, he's the obvious number one option. Um, I don't know if he's that option for a lot of other teams, but he's got good hands. He runs good routes and he's six, four. Um, that always helps. Uh, mm-hmm. as far as like separation in your number one, you would like to see guys just get away from their defender and he doesn't get that. So I think a lot of the, like you said, it's a byproduct of maybe some garbage time stats. And I think it's his connection with Luton. Like if you look at the stats since Luton has come back, 
they they have something going. I think you know he if he gets ten to fourteen targets, like even if you haul in half of those catches, you're going to have a productive game. So I think that's where uh, some of those stats come from. Some of the some of the yards where you know you see games where he has ten catches for 150 yards, and it's just like he can't not catch you know. Right. 10 balls when he's getting thrown to 20 times. Yeah, the volume is there. So given how right. bare the uh, the cupboard was last year right, in you know on the on the sideline with the coaching staff and then also with, from a talent perspective uh, and you know given what we've talked about of the offense looks looks you know promising and the defense looks uh, you know looks like you want to look at something else while it's while it's going on. How pleased right. are you with with the progress if you had to to give a report card of of given everything given the context of this beef situation? Uh, what grade would you give this current administration for for this season? Yeah, I think like overall feel, and then combined with just the, I mean, the record's not great, and then um, with the progress that the offense has made and the defense kind of stalling out, I would still give it maybe like a B minus. Mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah, I'm not dissatisfied at all. Uh, I think Smith has kind of done what he can do with the team, and I think there, you know, there are things that could be uh, done better. Um, but especially on the defense, like we mentioned, but at this point, this is kind of what this Beavers team are, and they have to they have to fix the talent gap between them and a lot of other teams in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll happen. Like you see, we got four, I believe it's four, maybe even five, four-star transfers uh, this during the season. A lot of them have come from Nebraska. I think following uh, Coach Bray um, out here. So um, I, yeah, I think that'll help. <laughs> Following Coach Bray and following uh, Coach Mike Riley, telling them how how awful his time in in Lincoln was. Uh, That's right. To come back to Corvallis, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and given the current state of college football, you can definitely play on the fringes a lot more with the junior college and the the uh, the transfers uh, at, at, are what they are. Um, and as a way to to kind of you know you're talking to experienced college football players who want playing time. Uh, I know a good place where you can do it. So especially on defense, right. it'll be interesting to see how they kind of patch that all together. Uh, cool, man. Well, it's uh, it's always kind of interesting. You know, I'm a fan of a, of a program that is uh, doing a little bit better than that. So so I remember yep. those days of, of building it and putting it all together. So it's kind of in a in a you know if a likes life's too long type mentality. It's kind of fun to have this this uh, this brief dearth of, of bad times that you can build up towards the big ones. Uh, but I do empathize because uh, this probably really sucks. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm hoping it gets. I'm hoping it gets better quickly. But I'm optimistic, so that's that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you have games that uh, that that matter against like uh, you know middle middle of the pack teams, and I think those are the days that I miss. Is not. I mean, you know, I say that, but UW lost to Cal this year. So uh, those games where you're playing teams that are not very good, but they're still really good games. Uh, those are fun. But uh, should be fun to see the Beavs progress. Uh, how about Beavs basketball? Give me give me twenty seconds on on that. Uh, the Thompson brothers and Trace Tinkle, like it's all the coaches' sons. Uh, they need to find some answers uh, at the power forward and center position, but they have a lot of offensive talent. So it kind of you know, kind of resembles uh, the Beavs football team a little bit, actually. Uh, but I don't know if they're able to to find some bigs maybe they can make a push i don't want to say for the tournament but they could be improved there we go there we go yeah. uh all right man well you are the uh the man on the ground not in corvallis but you are as plugged as in, in as anyone i know appreciate you doing this uh be well my man of course thanks for having me yep bye-bye bye-bye
Look, everybody know I'm a dog, and it's every girl bread ball hog. It's your Capone, aka Deuce Trey, making big plays all day. Special thanks to Stanton and to Jordan for coming on the pod. Thank you all for listening, and thanks to the senior class at UW for all their success. Uh, being in Atlanta for the playoff game was one of the best times I've, I've ever had with a lot of my good, good uh, college buddies, and this class is to thank for that. So thank you to them. Uh, enjoy the game, folks, and uh, see you next week. Fight.